guys doing morning duty. Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. It seems like I'm the only person on this radio station that did not get a picture with The Rock over the weekend. Because, you know, all I've seen on social media over the last couple of days, Gary Dickman standing next to uh, the Brahma Bull. Uh, of course, if you know part of what he was called in WWE. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't claim to having a picture at the rock. I can't even claim to being at the, uh, XFL tryout event at McKinley high school, but I can claim that I've got a bone to pick with some of the questioning that was taking place on Saturday that a little bit later on in the show as all of our guests appear courtesy of our hotline in about, uh, about 20 minutes. We'll explore the latest on Kyrie Irving, who is opting in, uh, to the Brooklyn Nets. For how long? What does it mean? Uh, Matt Brooks from Nets Daily is going to be with us. Matt Snyder will join us from CBSSports.com. Uh, there's a big brawl on Sunday between the Mariners and the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and uh, sunflower seeds that were tossed as well. We'll talk with Matt a little bit later on. And uh, now that the Lakers are apparently out of the Kyrie Irving sweepstakes, what does their offseason look like? Anthony Irvin from Silver Screen and Roll is going to be with us in the 5 o'clock hour. You can uh, text the program at 808-296-1420. That is our Zephyr Insurance text line. You can call us at 808-296-1420. And you can tweet us at Sports Animals. You can get to me at Josh on the radio. Obviously, the news from the last uh, couple of hours is that Kyrie Irving is opting in with some massive, massive spin. And as I said on Twitter, there's some massive spin in this statement, which I'll read to you in a second. But Kyrie probably doesn't think anything spins around him, so this will fall flat. He's got an extra $36.5 million in his bank account because if he had opted out. Keegan, Keegan totally missed it. I, I, <laughs> he, I, I didn't tell him there was the bite coming up. He thought I was leading to the bite. No, I was making, I was making a funny in the Kyrie Irving statement. I was, I was letting dramatic pause there because, you know, doesn't think anything around him spins, so this will fall flat. I I, I thought you were I thought you were pointing at me. That's all I I thought. I was I was pointing at air. I, and anyway, Keegan's not used to working with me. It's been it's been a while. Get used to it. Uh, Kyrie saying it on Twitter in his in his statement, and I quote: "Normal people keep the world going, but those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. I've made my decision to opt in." See you in the fall. I don't know if this is all even or A11 even. I don't know what it is. That's that's his Twitter thing now. A11 even. Whatever it is, massive spin. Those who dare to be different lead us in tomorrow. AKA uh, those that nobody wants to do a sign and trade with will be led back to where they were previously. Those who don't want to make $6 million a year as compared to 36 will lead to where they were previously. And when he says, I've made my decision to opt in, he's basically saying, I've made my decision to not lose money. That's the, uh, that's the spin, you know, because we're in the, as uh, Bill O'Reilly used to say, you are in the no spin zone. Bobby Marks on SportsCenter earlier on ESPN television, on Kyrie announcing he is opting in for the 2022 season. 
He's got an extra $36.5 million in his bank account because yeah. if he had opted out, there was no guarantee that he was going to earn that money back. And we went through all those complicated sign and trade scenarios here. Now, he goes back to Brooklyn. He's on an expiring contract. He will be an unrestricted free agent next offseason in 2023. There's still time for them to work at a deal. They have now until June 30th to maybe add a couple more years. But for right now, I think we're going to be in a holding pattern as far as what the future is because the Nets were hesitant to even extend him off this current number here. So he's on this one-year deal. He could still be traded. Now, opting in, now it opens up. The, he doesn't have a no-trade clause. It opens up the landscape for all 29 teams if there is a trade out there for Brooklyn. And frankly, um, I think if there were a trade opportunity, I think you'd see something kind of running in here. I mean, free agency begins, what, on Wednesday? And and I was kind of going through Woj earlier on uh, on the good old Twitter and Woj kind of made it seem like, you know, there there really wasn't an opportunity. In fact, this was Woj a couple of hours ago saying, and I quote, without the ability to find a sign-and-trade deal, Kyrie Irving plans to exercise his $36 million player option for next season and return to the Nets. He says, he and, and it says here, the Nets can still move Irving as an expiring contract, but the opt-in means he's no longer eligible to get the immediate long-term deal he wanted as part of a sign-and-trade. The amazing thing about this is if this were three years ago, now, first off, uh, NBA player contracts at $36 million for a player of Kyrie Irving's stature, and we might have been talking about inflated numbers three years ago. Uh, but back then, without knowing what we know now, missing more games than he's played, flat earthing it, and uh, not wanting the vaccine. And, you know, forcing himself or being forced to miss games because he didn't want the vaccine. I, I'm not getting into, you know, whether you believe in your choice or not. I'm not going to get there. But uh, certainly I, that's one of the reasons why he missed a whole bunch of games. Why uh, no one would have thought, I think, at this point, Kyrie Irving would be at a point where he's, you know, you know, looking at a contract, maybe not getting more, and finding himself now in a, in a again in a in a situation where uh, he's still kind of expendable. And and look, I I think the most extreme way the Nets can handle this is if yeah they give him thirty six million dollars, but they're fed up with him, they don't want him, they want to sign and trade, but they also realize. You know he's he's a headache, and they and they basically pay him to sit down. Remember what the New Orleans Pelicans did with Anthony Davis, and, and this is extreme. And I I don't I don't know if this is going to happen, but it's extreme. Why would you want to put someone on the court that clearly doesn't want to be there and that you clearly don't want to have there? Why would you do it? And I could see that situation playing out, forcing the hand of, you know, forcing their own hand to kind of get, you know, get rid of them, but also decreasing Kyrie Irving's value because honestly, at $36 million, uh, he is way overvalued for the money that he currently makes. And again, it's crazy because three years ago, I would have told you Kyrie Irving is worth every penny of what anybody would give him because he's one of the best guards in the league. I would give you all of that 
Kyrie Irving, $36 million three years ago, I would have said give him 40. Whatever the, you know, the conversion was for three years ago till now. We know how, how salaries have jumped. I would have said give, give him everything and then some. Now it's like, oh, how many games will Kyrie miss because of random reasons and then not tell you that he's going to miss games and then cause some locker room drama? I don't know. But you see, the, the, the bigger thing now is, does this mean Kevin Durant stays in Brooklyn? Because earlier today, Brian Winhorst, ESPN NBA senior writer, had said the Nets are preparing for 2022-2023 season without both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And I don't know that that is still off the table because just because Kyrie's there, because no one wants to do a sign and trade according to Woj, just because he's there doesn't mean KD is going to be happy figuring out how that situation is going to play out. That KD, by the trade deadline next year, may not be alone. And that he realizes the writing is on the wall for where the Nets want to go eventually. And he says... I don't want to be here anymore, which I still think is just phenomenally crazy. I said this, I think, on, on Friday morning show, and it is the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Josh Pacheco in for the guys today. I said this on Friday morning show. If Kevin Durant wants out of Brooklyn because the Nets don't see Kyrie Irving in the team's future, Durant forcing himself out to go wherever he wants to go would be a bigger crime than Durant going to Golden State to chase a ring. Because I am still a believer that Kevin Durant can play at a high level and that he shouldn't need to be around a super team like a Ben, you know, having Ben Simmons around is great, you know, good for him. But Harden didn't work. He's out. Kyrie Irving hasn't worked. They've only played minimal games together, both both Irving and uh, and Kevin Durant. Bailing on that team is kind of like saying, "All right, nothing worked. Oh, let's blame the team, and let's let's get on." And and surely the team has some you know has some fault to it. You know, they did hire Steve Nash, and and that to me was an was an awful hire uh, as a head coach because Steve Nash had no experience, and I think that team could have used a head coach with some experience. That was an awful, awful hire. But really, it's like saying a couple of guys haven't been able to hang around and you're just going to bounce too. The, and, and it also tells me one of the greats of this decade, one of the greats of this generation, really, can't hang around in an area to attract talent to want to play with him. That instead... He sees the writing on the wall, sees guys bouncing. Irving probably will because the Nets will probably get rid of him. And then ultimately says, you know what? I, I want you know fresh scenery. I want to bounce too and join up with someone. Tanner, Tanner Hayworth and I were having a discussion off the air this morning about well, potential trade possibilities. I think we were throwing out like Portland, you know, maybe getting Kevin Durant to go back to the Pacific Northwest and, and play with Damian Lillard and seeing some contract options. And we were talking about I mean, it's all, a whole bunch of stuff. I, I don't know what's really going to work, but it's such a mess. And, and we'll focus on the Kyrie part eventually. But it is really, really messy to uh, 
to look at Kevin Durant's role in all of this and how happy he is or how unhappy he is and see it tied to Kyrie Irving, thinking, do you, do you really want to attach yourself to him over the last three years? And as good as he is, his inability to be, you know, available. That's the last thing Kevin Durant should be tying himself to. And, and frankly, I, I've questioned Kevin Durant on a lot of things. None of those things were going to Golden State because I totally agreed with it. And I don't, I don't want to rehash old memories. Um, you know, his sensitivity on Twitter is insane. And, you know, what reports seem to talk about about his feelings in Brooklyn also seem to be just kind of questionable. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll bring in one of our guests here in a couple minutes. That's Matt Brooks from Nets Daily. And uh, we'll talk about that situation coming up a little bit more. Of course, one of the other, uh, other storylines today, in fact, we just got some breaking news from Major League Baseball. Twelve people have been disciplined following the brawl that happened on Sunday between the Mariners and the Angels. Twelve. Ready? Angels manager Phil Nevin. Ten-game suspension because uh, his guy, Andrew Wance, uh, intentionally threw at a Mariners player while warnings were in place. Jesse Winker, seven-game suspension for his actions that caused the incident and for fighting. And then Winker wouldn't leave. And then he flipped the bird, well, a couple of them to fans who were heckling him because, you know, fans were being fans. Uh, Anthony Rendon, who is already out because he's got uh, a hand injury. Rendon's out for five games once he's off the injured list because he left the dugout while on the injured list. Uh, And also, he is prohibited from sitting on the bench for the Angels' next seven games. And he was like the first guy to make contact with Winker. Bad right hand. He took his left and just put it right in his face like he was giving him a pie. Yeah, be it the guy with a fractured hand is the first one to get in the scrum. Real smart, Anthony Rendon. Five-game suspension. Uh, Dom Chidi, the Angels' assistant pitching coach, five-game suspension for his actions. Uh, Mariners shortstop J.P. Crawford, five-game suspension for fighting. Andre Wance, three-game suspension from the Angels for his intentional throwing at uh, Jesse Winker while warnings were in place. He, by the way, is appealing. No, he's not appealing, I beg your pardon. He will begin his suspension tonight. I think everybody else uh, is appealing. Uh, Ryan Tapera, Angels pitcher, three-game suspension for his actions. Rysel Iglesias, two-game suspension from the Angels. Mariner outfielder Julio Rodriguez, two-game suspension. Angels bench coach Ray Montgomery, uh, two-game suspension. Uh, Bill Hasselman, Angels catching coach, one-game suspension for his actions. Here's the best one, and I'm being kind of facetious about it. Angels major league interpreter Manny Del Campo. Yes, even the interpreter got suspended. He's been uh, canned two games for his actions. So, uh, scorecard. One manager, ten games. One player, seven. Got a couple of Angels pitchers. Got a catching coach. Got a pitching coach. And we've got an interpreter, amongst others, suspended for Sunday's incident between the Angels and the Mariners. More on that later. But coming up next, Matt Brooks from Nets Daily. We'll look back at Kyrie Irving saying... uh, His world's not spinning because, of course, it doesn't. He's staying in Brooklyn. That's next, courtesy of our hotline. All of our guests, when they appear here on the Sports Animals, they do so courtesy of our hotline. That includes Nets Daily's Matt Brooks, uh, who joins us now. 
Matt, uh, let's talk a little bit about the news from a couple of hours ago. Kyrie Irving is opting in uh, for the 2022-2023 season at the $36 million clip as they uh, neared that deadline to make a decision. Uh, what do you take away from him making that decision? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, first off, thank you for having me on. Uh, this this is definitely a, a big prove-it year, I think, for Kyrie in the sense that this team, this Nets team, is more boom or bust than ever. Um, you know, he, he's, he's basically been given the opportunity to canvas the league uh, and, and try to look for a sign-and-trade of his own. Ultimately, he wasn't able to find anything, and he's returning now to Brooklyn. Um, and, and this team, you know, they're going to go through this year, hope to win a championship, and then my expectation at least just based on the little bit that i know um is that you know i'm, I'm expecting things to uh to, to basically you know Kyrie and maybe even kd take a look at, at what their situation is in brooklyn and and make decisions from there so yeah it's, it's going to be a fun season there's a lot on the line for really pretty much everybody involved i want to get to kevin's situation in a moment but you said this is kind of a prove it year and you look at Kyrie's situation part of me i mean part of me does wonder you know how much do the nets really want Kyrie irving there Clearly, they, they made it pretty uh, evident that they are not uh, at the point right now where they feel like they can commit to him long term, uh, you know, even just going as far as like a four year deal. Um, the, I mean, just based on the little bits and pieces that we've heard, uh, it seems like two years was probably the most they were willing to do on that extension. So, you know, that kind of gives you an idea of where this team is at in terms of uh, how they feel about having Kyrie on the team. I know today I, I heard a little bit just from people uh just within the organization that uh it's it's been a i guess a little bit of a, a difficult experience at certain points um so you know I, I think there is a little bit of attrition um just with the nets and Kyrie. that marriage i think has been a little bit on the ropes uh, especially after the last year so yeah um you know this is this is i think been a big moment for everybody involved but especially for Kyrie, given that he really had this opportunity to go pick his next team and Nothing came up other than, you know, a, a Russell Westbrook trade. That's pretty much all that was able to uh, come up for Kyrie. So, yeah, I do expect this to be a pretty big, like, turning point for him. Nets Daily's Matt Brooks joining us here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I threw this idea uh, earlier in our in our opening segment. What do you think are the chances that the Brooklyn Nets, who, I mean, I think clearly can't really commit to, to Kyrie Irving, what's the chances that, this situation's frustrating enough where they don't play him. They've got him on contract and they sit him until they can figure out a sign and trade. I think they're going to play him. I think, I think you go for your best chance to win a championship and, and that's going to probably be Kyrie right now based on just, I mean, what's really going to change from right now to, I guess, you know, I mean, maybe the trade deadline, but you're keeping him out for a long time. We saw this team try to shuffle the decks at the trade deadline and not really be able to build any continuity. Um, so I think right now your best option is just to play him because we've seen that his value is just not there. I mean, nobody there, there were no suitors other than the Lakers who are basically trying to enjoy the twilight years of LeBron. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think for everybody's best interest, they need to play him. Um, and whether that turns into, he looks great out there and he plays, you know, almost every single game and they move him at the deadline or they just run with this and they go for this big, you know, kind of one last hurrah. Uh, with this group, uh, unless, of course, he extends next summer, which I seems like could be something that could happen, depending on how this next year goes. Matt, help us if you can't understand. Um, Kevin Durant seems to be unhappy. Uh, what can that be tied to? Because I, I think from from outside trying to look in, the easy way to look at it is 
Kyrie Irving situation seems to be uniquely tied to Kevin Durant's happiness. Is that really the case? I mean, how, how do you see Kevin Durant's situation there? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that that the way this has gone down, the way that they, I mean, let's the report came out today that uh, they they were willing to lose Kyrie and Katie. So from Katie's perspective, he's come to this Brooklyn Nets team. There's you know a public report about how they're saying, yeah, well, we're fine with losing you. Like we'd rather do that than offer you know your closest friend a four year deal. Again, these guys are it's business at the end of the day, but they are good friends. So. I think if, if you're hearing any disappointment at all or, or just displeasure for KD, um, it's related to how the last three or four weeks have played out. I, I think that frustration has been pretty high uh, from at least KD's side, just watching this play out the way it has. And what what can Brooklyn do, I guess? Or is there anything that they can do to kind of make him happy again or at least kind of you know temper his frustrations, at least the way it's looking publicly? Winning. Winning, I mean, and it's really like the most boring answer, but if this team can get on the same page, they can build some continuity, Ben Simmons fits in. I mean, that's really what they're missing right now. And KD, I mean, let's let's, let's be real for a second. Um, you know, watching his former team win a championship, having his team flame out the way it did. I mean, I just think to me, like it, all of this displeasure and, you know, his the reports about him coming out and, and, and you know, not speaking with the team. I just think it relates to like how this season ended for him, for the Nets, and then also just even the season in general. So if they can get together and they can win, I, I just, I don't know. I think a lot of this is going to feel like kind of a distant past, but a lot's happened. You know, we'll see if any birds, uh, you know, bridges have been burned and if that affects this team going forward. Matt Brooks, uh, check out his work at Nets Daily and at Basketball News. Matt, I appreciate your time on uh, what's been a busy night. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. All right, Matt and all of our guests, they appear courtesy of our hotline here on the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Texter from the uh, 722 at Josh on the radio. Bill O'Reilly? Really? Look, I don't say it politically, um, but if there's anybody that's coined any phrase on spin and uh, spin zone... Uh, I, I, you know, care less about the politics side. I don't care, but there's there's really one show synonymous with spin and the spin zone, and that's that's his phrase. So that's why I used it. I know, really, not what you expected, not normal for this format, but uh, I I do so in respect of the catchphrase more than anything else. Uh, Texter also says, "Who does Kyrie think he is? The Green Bay Packers QB? Oh man, they they have a few things in common." I don't think flat earth is one of them. And I think the other, the, you're going to Google that. You want to, you want to fact check me on that is, uh, does Aaron Rodgers believe in flat earth? This is, this is a bit we did a while ago, and right? I'm not going to get back into that bit again and who believes it and who doesn't. Um, the one difference, big difference between Kyrie Irving and Aaron Rodgers is that one team wants Kyrie. No, I'm sorry. One team wants one guy. That's A-Rod. The other team doesn't want their guy, and that's Kyrie. I don't think Brooklyn really wants him there, and uh, I think they're kind of you know, subtly bummed that a sign-and-trade wasn't worked out so that they could move on from that $37 million and maybe get some value that actually wants to be there and help Brooklyn potentially contend for a title instead. Well, um, they're going to have to settle for uh, for Kyrie Irving and, and really his 
his mess, if you will. Sports Center coming up in a moment, but coming up next, the one question that got me a little perturbed from the uh, from the XFL get-together over the weekend. That's next. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. And apparently one more piece of breaking news from the NBA. According to Yahoo Sports is Chris Haynes. John Wall and the Houston Rockets have agreed to a contract buyout. Wall will be entering free agency here in a couple of days. Uh, his agent, Rich Paul, uh, is meeting with general manager of the uh, Houston Rockets to uh, finalize that and will give Wall... Uh, it means Wall will give back $7 million in salary to hit the open market because, oh, this is this is bigger than Kyrie Irving money. He had a $47.4 million player option for the upcoming season. That, well, good luck with that. He didn't play last year, and he got $44.3 million not to play last year. And uh, not only that, I, I love, I, in fact, I love how Chris Haynes put it, and I quote, in one of the most blatant tanking efforts in NBA history, the Rockets paid a healthy wall $44.3 million to ride the bench for all of last season. It even says here, Wall has played less than half a season since the 2018 calendar year. And you thought it was bad with Kyrie Irving, huh? Apparently, there was some talk about John Wall, maybe a, a deal with the Los Angeles Lakers to send Russell Westbrook uh, uh, back to L.A. Uh, there was some talk about that, or back to uh, Houston. Apparently, that's uh, that's not going to happen. But uh, uh, either way, John Wall will be a free agent. Given that he hasn't played since the 2018 calendar year, we'll see what kind of uh, uh, what kind of interest there actually is in him. So uh, the XFL had their tryout coming up, uh, or not coming up, but uh, over the weekend over at McKinley High School. It saw The Rock. It saw a number of uh, former University of Hawaii football players, uh, names you know that, that were out there. Uh, you saw some uh, University of Hawaii assistant coaches out there. Coach Sheffield, a big fan of uh, Zoa Energy, apparently. Well, not apparently. You can find it on Twitter. He's a big Zoa Energy guy. And uh, a great opportunity. One thing The Rock has always been, he's um, been incredibly loyal. You know, behind the the exterior of a guy who's just massively ripped in every way, there has always been just this kind of loyalty to the islands. And I know he mentioned wanting to work something out uh, to benefit the University of Hawaii. You know, there there's nothing in place. There's no agreement right now. It could very well just be like a, a ZOA energy um, partnership. I don't know, but I, I do have a question about that because I remember a couple of years ago it was told to me, and, and maybe there's something different in, in ZOA. It was told to me a couple of years ago that energy drinks are kind of a no-no for college athletes because most of the energy drinks – have uh, an ingredient in there, and, and, and I don't remember what the ingredient is. And I, I remember, uh, I, I was actually told this several times. I was once told this when I was over at UH Hilo because I, I brought an energy drink with me to call a game, and yes, he was like, no, you can't have that here because uh, if, if a student athlete were to have it, then, um, you know, they, they could get popped because there's like a, a substance in there that's banned. And, and I remember an athletic director telling me a story once they had a uh, they had a partnership at their school. I think it was with Red Bull. 
and you know they had Red Bull people um, at the arenas for basketball, and they were tossing out some Red Bull stuff, and they were tossing out some Red Bull drinks. And then before you know it, and I don't think the Red Bull people realized it when when they were doing it, before you know it, they were tossing out Red Bull to the players. And the AD had to be like, no, no, hey, you guys, you can't do that because if these student-athletes drank Red Bull and they went and did some kind of a test and they found whatever ingredient was in Red Bull inside their system, they wouldn't be allowed to play because it's uh, some kind of – it's like a banned ingredient that they're not allowed to have. So I don't know if – I've never had ZOA Energy. I don't know what's in there that may make it okay. I don't know. Maybe it's just the coach's thing. I'm not sure. Uh, all I've ever seen a photo last week of, of all the coaches in attendance all wearing ZOA Energy shirts in a uh, blatant attempt to get the Rock's attention and uh, in Hawk ZOA Energy, which I think is kind of funny and it's kind of cool at the same time. Uh, but hopefully there is nothing in ZOA Energy that would create some kind of like a – uh, a, a, a trigger if some kind of test were taken that would that would get somebody. Hopefully not. But there was a question that was asked during that media get-together. I mean, they asked about, you know, wanting to, to work with the University of Hawaii and, and, and some of the normal stuff and, um, you know, opportunities for, for local players and how important it is. But there's one question that got me. And a few people asked it from, from what I was able to tell would the rock bring the xfl to hawaii that was the question which sounds harmless right that was the question that got me a little annoyed see normally uh, i would love that question to be uh to be asked to try to see if he can get a professional franchise here uh because we don't really have anything professional here we used to Arena football used to be here. Minor league baseball used to be here. We used to have all that stuff. We don't even have a stadium currently. I mean, unless you want to consider playing uh, at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex as a place to put the XFL, maybe that's not crazy, but it doesn't sound like something for a professional football venue. We don't have an Aloha Stadium currently, and we don't know when there is going to be an Aloha Stadium ready for anything. And so as I heard that question asked about, oh, um, you know, do you, do you think you might want to bring the XFL here? It's like, wait, guys, wait. Let's not put the fun stuff before the actual need. The need is you need a suitable venue. And no, I don't want to hear going to Mililani High School. Not picking on your alma mater, Keegan. I don't, I don't want to hear going to Farrington. I don't want to hear any of that. You want to bring professional football, whatever form of professional football it is, it needs to be in a real venue. And you need to be able to market it to people who want to be there. And, and I've been watching the USFL. They're going to have their, uh, their championship here very shortly. Uh, in fact, this weekend, in fact, the USFL will, will crown its first champion since uh, the USFL disbanded way back when. And the USFL has been just a, a, a perfect showcase to me of what can go wrong, even though they're going to come back and they're going to do a little bit of expansion. And we'll, we'll talk about that coming up in the next segment as to why it's just, it, it still seems kind of weak to me. Um, but, I, you know, I don't want to hear anybody lobbying for anything 
until we actually have like a physical venue because I would hate to see professional football uh, you know play you know played anywhere but an Aloha Stadium. That's where it belongs. That's where it deserves to be. And I and I think once you build it, whenever that's going to be built, I think it's a great thing. You have a year-round use. You've got University of Hawaii football in the fall. You've got high school football to throw in there. Uh, you have your state championships there. You've got spring football from February through, I don't know, July maybe. Uh, you can drizzle in some professional soccer which I think would be great to have back at that venue. Rugby's been talked about. That spring football would be amazing for that venue. But there is no place for that now. There is no real viable place for hosting a football team, a professional football team right now. And that's why, I was. to me, it was just such an odd question that forgetting everything else that isn't happening currently it was a surprise to me that that question would even be asked. Give it a couple years when we actually know when the place is going to be built. And then let's have the conversation about whether, you know, you can bring an XFL team here. The other thing that I would throw out is look at spring football in uh, the USFL and look at, look at that blueprint first. Before I think you even go out of the box with bringing a franchise here, uh, I think you have to watch the way others model it. And I'll explain that as I weave that into the USFL conversation uh, coming up in just a little bit because I, I do think that that is kind of important when, when discussing whether you can have a franchise uh, you know, like that here. Sports Center about 11 minutes away. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com, coming up next hour, uh, especially off of the suspensions and uh, an interpreter getting punished for the uh, Los Angeles Angels. That coming up. This is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. The guys uh, filling in in the morning on the Bobby Kern Show. I'm filling in here. Thank you for allowing us in on uh, your Monday afternoon. We'll get to the Zephyr Insurance text line coming up in just a little while. By the way, more on that breaking news regarding uh, John Wall. There is... Uh, this is via Adrian Wojnarowski. John Wall, once he clears waivers, which would be on Wednesday, uh, Wall is expected to sign with the Los Angeles Clippers, or he's, uh, or as, as uh, Woj would say, planning to sign with the Los Angeles Clippers once he clears free agency. Other teams are expected to pursue, but he intends to join the LA Clippers. Again, John Wall has not played since the 2018 calendar year uh which is uh, just it's crazy to think about and it's crazy to think that the houston rockets can't get punished for tampering or not tampering um tanking not playing a guy who's healthy and letting him sit and earn 40 some odd million dollars to uh you know twiddle his thumbs on the bench i mean that's even more obvious than uh, the trust the process sixers you may recall let me go back to what we were talking about a moment ago with uh, the XFL being here and, and The Rock being here and a lot of the tryouts and a, and a good interview with Bryant Moniz, uh, who was on earlier today uh, with Kanoa Leahy and along with Rich Miano. If you missed that, check that out at ESPNHonolulu.com and on the free Sideline Hawaii app. 
But I'll, I want to get back to the part we were talking about with you know hosting a franchise and kind of a, a prerequisite. To me, we can't be asking, hey, can uh, you, you're going to plan on putting a franchise in Hawaii when Hawaii has no viable professional-like stadium to host a said franchise. You know, I also believe in watching the market because going and putting a franchise in Hawaii is an incredible risk. It's an incredible risk because of travel costs. It's an incredible risk because it is outside of the major market norm that would be, you know, putting a franchise anywhere. It's, um, I don't think it would be a popular thing. And, and understand that even watching, you know, the USFL, you know, they've got franchises in eight different cities, although they're all playing in one uh, in Birmingham. More on that in a second. They're not taking risks. I mean, Birmingham, I guess, is the biggest risk. But Birmingham during college football, that is the biggest market for college football games is Birmingham. They love their football. And they're getting an opportunity at a, you know, a, a collegiate stadium to host a foot, you know, football games that they can't even sell out. You couldn't consider putting an XFL team here unless you found really, really good success at major markets. It's it's one thing to kind of tap into the Rock's love for Hawaii, and that's that's cool, but this is still also a business. It's a business that folded during the pandemic that was bought during the pandemic that is going to relaunch for a third time. I don't think when you've got other spring competition, I don't think when you know your league, for whatever reason it is, has had to shut down twice, is in a position where it can take calculated risks and where you put a franchise right out of the gate or in the first couple of years of, of coming back. And I'd be interested in, to seeing how they do it. Uh, let's get Paul in here. He's calling in at 808-296-1420. Hi, Paul. Oh, hi, Josh. How you doing? Good. You know, um, uh, okay. Uh, it, it, see, I, I'm, I have questions about that question, too, because, see, I, I'm thinking in another direction. I had to call because, look, uh, we could, uh, you know, the rock could be the answer to establishing that stadium. You know, I think that a lot of why the question was asked because, uh, you know, hey, the rock might not realize that uh, a lost stadium is closed. You know, he's busy doing other stuff. Uh, I think the light bulb needs to go on, and he might think, wait a minute, you guys don't have a lost stadium anymore? Oh, you guys need to do this. He might be the chosen one, Josh. This sta- I, I, listen, I love Rich Miano, but I laughed when he said on, on the animal, no, Kenosha uh, show today, you know, the stadium's going to be built in four years. It's not going to be built in four years, but it can with the rock. So I, I, well, all I'm saying is he might say, wait a minute. Yeah, let, yeah, great idea. Having an XFL Hawaii team. But wait, let's get you guys a stadium. Because I think, I'm pretty sure the Rock uh, 
you know, he donates stuff, right? And he raises money for stuff. That's all. I, that's how I'm thinking. And I think I think that that's something he would he would think about. Look, um, I, I might I, be off base with. Look, I, I'll put it this way, and Paul, I, I got to hit a break here coming up in a moment. I, I appreciate your call. But look, um, I appreciate The Rock. Really good businessman. I, I can smell what The Rock is cooking. I went there. But even he knows, look, he knows as a businessman, you put your money where your money is going to be put to good use. There has been so much public pressure on the radio, in print, in just you saying what you got to say. There's been so much public pressure on the stadium, and what's come of it? Nothing. If public pressure that we've already had has done very little to move the needle on Aloha Stadium, then what do you think The Rock is going to do to move the needle? Someone who, frankly, isn't here all the time. And I, and I love The Rock. But if we think he's going to move the needle on that, we're giving even him, for everything that he does, we're giving him just a little too much credit. Because he ain't putting money into a public-private partnership. And I feel pretty good about that. And he's not going to get the governor to sign off on anything. He's not going to get lawmakers to do what they have to do. He, there's, there's still an RFP process that I, I think still has to you know be finalized. What is he going to do? So let's not get too carried away on the idea that he's the savior to everything. No. He cares about Hawaii. He clearly loves Hawaii. But he's not changing the tide on a stadium. But he does, at the very least, want to give Hawaii athletes and guys with Hawaii ties chances to continue to play football. Breaking news from the National Football League coming up in just moments. In about 15 minutes, Major League Baseball hands its uh, suspensions down from the brawl on Sunday between the Angels and Mariners. And uh, what baseball could do more in what is a continued problem that I think most people agree is just, it's, it's stupid, frankly. Uh, that coming up in just a little while. You can text the program. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420, and you can tweet us at Sports Animals. Uh, you can get to me at Josh on the radio. Uh, there is breaking news here. Some of it we kind of already know, but some of it now helping to set the stage for what we can expect tomorrow. The NFL has now informed, this is according to uh, Cleveland.com's Mary Kay Cabot, the NFL has told Deshaun Watson in his camp, as well as the NFL's Players Association, and disciplinary officer Sue L. Robinson that it is recommending an indefinite suspension for Watson without pay for at least a year. Uh, sources confirming that within the last 20 minutes. It says here Watson would be permitted to apply for reinstatement after the season. Uh, now, we've heard the idea of, of, of a potential suspension for a while. We've heard mostly a year. Uh, we've heard it kind of float around the word indefinite. We don't really know what to expect. And again, the hearing is tomorrow. The disciplinary officer will, will kind of have a, a, a final say. But uh, the NFL 
is at least kind of setting its terms on what it wants. And the indefinite suspension term is a huge one. The without pay part is also huge. Because the uh, the Cleveland Browns put a lot of money into that um, into that contract. What Mary Kay Cabot reports here is that he would lose. Now, keep in mind, a lot of what he got was in his signing bonus. He would lose his base pay, which was $1.035 million. It was also a cap move. So, he yeah, he would lose $1.035 million next year. $57,500 per game because his signing bonus was just under $45 million, which is insane. Um, here's how we kind of break this down. We have to remember that the NFL, I think, believes it has its leverage. This is a hearing tomorrow, and it's been reported, I think, a, a bit here and there that there is room for negotiation. It was reported last week by the uh, by the Washington Post, and I'm going back to Mark Maskey's piece, that the NFL wanted, at minimum, the year-long suspension. The NFL's PA has been saying, well, no, because you haven't punished Dan Snyder for his issues. You didn't punish Robert Kraft for his, what was it, massage parlor, whatever his issues were that were kind of creepy. You didn't punish any of those individuals. But you want to go after Deshaun Watson, that's very different. Of course, those examples are very different, too. Um, owners don't fall under the personal conduct policy. Uh, we know Dan Snyder went through an investigation. We know Capitol Hill is investigating that. The Robert Kraft thing seems to be dead. I don't know where that's going to go. But Roger Goodell is not going to suspend or punish his bosses who pay his salary and who, you know, employ him to go make money for them. But he can certainly allow for punishment for Deshaun Watson. But back to the original point is that there's been talk about potential room for negotiation. So what I think the NFL is doing here by informing everybody involved that this is what it wants. And we'll get to the phone line in a second at 808-296-1420. What I think they're trying to do, they're, they're setting the tempo here first. We know the NFLPA doesn't want a suspension, but the NFL is saying it believes it has what it wants to say, we want an indefinite ban, no pay. And what it's going to put the NFLPA in a situation in, and, in, and in Watson's camp's position, they don't want anything but if the evidence from the NFL's independent investigation finds that, you know, Watson, well, was pretty creepy, then the only wiggle room that Watson, his camp, and the NFLPA has is to be like, all right, well, um, we don't want it to be indefinite. But maybe, maybe a year. But take off the indefinite word and you know, they potentially can reapply for, for reinstatement. And you and you think that that is a minute thing. It's not. Because new things about Deshaun Watson seem to come out all the time. This has been a story now for, what, a year plus? Watson didn't play all last year? We have had more people come out uh, in the last couple of weeks 
the number according to oh, I forget what what newspaper it was was that like 66 women over a 17 month period while he was with the Houston Texans I mean who's to say between now and the end of the 2022 season that there's not more stuff there's more weirdness and the NFL believes okay he wants to reapply for uh, for reinstatement in the league but we got more stuff here and we don't think he should come back at least for another half a year or for another year. I think the NFL wants this to be very open-ended because this case would still force civil cases and more people coming forward, um, it could get worse. And I think in the case of the PA, their only leverage could be, yeah, it could get worse, but let's cap it hard in a year and let's try to you know make sure he gets back on the field in 2023. That's the only thing I could think of that they have an argument for, which is a weak argument. But that's that's the tone. That's how you play that tone out when you are potentially going into negotiations. Let's say hi to John, who's been holding on very patiently. John, good afternoon. Yeah, I think the NFL, if I was NFL, and I'm sure that's what they're thinking, I think they're going to hold on to that indefinite. For, for a lot of things that you just said, you don't know what else is behind this. You don't know who else coming out. You don't know what those four cases look like. And why? if you say one year, you're stuck at one year. But what if something comes out after you said one year suspension? You know what I mean? You can't resus- have a hard time resuspend them again or add to it. I mean, I guess you could. You could add to the suspension and stuff. But if you keep it indefinite... And they just, I think they'll stick to it and say, you know what, we don't know what else is coming out with this guy. We're going to hold on to him. Maybe the what they give back is a little bit cash, you know, a little bit money, a little bit more money when they start negotiating. But I think the NFL will be smart, and they probably know it already. They're going to hold on to that indefinite. That's yeah. What I think. And and here's what's important. And, John, I appreciate you calling in. Thanks for listening. Here Here's the, the ground rules of how this goes, uh, to, to make very clear. Uh, it is Sue L. Robinson who will hand down the punishment. She is the disciplinary officer. She is the one that would have to determine that Deshaun Watson has violated the personal conduct policy. She is the one that would put down the punishment, suspension or fine or, or both. Uh, the reason why we're hearing what the NFL is saying is because the NFL wants to do its thing. That's what they're fighting for. The... Uh, NFLPA, I think, has – we'll see if the NFLPA comes out and argues what it is fighting for, which I think we've learned through sources is no punishment, although I think we also can all agree it doesn't look good for the NFLPA in trying to argue it. They're just trying to do their job. Uh, you know, it's it's being the uh, the defense attorney in a case that you feel like you know you can't win – but you're finding every possible way to find every loophole you can to try to win the case. Even in a, it, it, it's hard to be a defense attorney t- sometimes, and that would be one of the, one of those instances. But to go back to uh, the way it's going to work, so Robinson sets the punishment, but it can be appealed. So let's say Sue L. Robinson says. Uh, we don't. I don't agree in a in a uh, indefinite suspension, but I would agree to a year long suspension. Let's let's say that that's what she says. 
the NFL could appeal it, or the NFLPA could appeal it. The NFL can appeal it. And who does the appeal go to, you ask? It goes to Roger Goodell. And that is where I'm sure the NFLPA never really thought this one through. Roger Goodell becomes the person that hears the appeal and determines, you know, if you keep the punishment, if you amend it, and he can amend it one way or the other. So it almost feels like the the NFL is kind of setting the tone here. This is what we're going for. There's no way you're going to get otherwise. There's no way you're getting no suspension. Now you're going to have to figure things out on your end. And uh, and that's what it seems like is going to happen here uh, moving forward. Again, that hearing is on Tuesday. And uh, we'll see if it lasts just that day, how long it lasts, and uh, what comes out of it. I have a hard time seeing Deshaun Watson playing a game in 2022. Uh, even more so that the NFL feels very confident that it has a case to take to the independent uh, you know, disciplinary officer to say, yeah, we don't see a case in, in which he plays because there have been so many instances of women that have come out that we can't see him playing. And then now, I mean, from the – I won't spend too much time on the litigation part, there is the on-field part, and the Cleveland Browns have messed that up entirely because Baker Mayfield is likely not going to play for Cleveland, and they would love for Baker Mayfield to want to be there. He's made it clear at this point he does not want to be there, and so the Browns are basically going to have to sit the season out. I mean, they'll have a, a quarterback. We can, probably can't take that seriously. Probably can't take them as a contender seriously in 2022 and everything that the Browns have been trying to do. They're trying to be a little more relevant, trying to be a little more competitive. Everything that they've been trying to do may go all for naught because they decided to, to be public in their want for Deshaun Watson. They decided that, uh, they were going to put all their eggs in one basket and all their money really in one basket too, that basket being called the signing bonus basket and alienate the guy who was their franchise QB for what now? All because they didn't do their homework on Deshaun Watson or they did and they just didn't care. Then the NFL is going to get him here eventually. And, and honestly, I don't think we're done. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I'm Josh Pacheco. Uh, in on the afternoon show, the guys filling in in the morning. Let me tell you why we're not done. One of the cases today, the uh, Houston Texans are getting sued by, uh, by one of the women who is uh, accusing Deshaun Watson. And I have said for weeks, and I feel like nobody's picked up on it, but I, I have said for weeks... This is not just a Deshaun Watson thing. How do you have, was it 66 women in 17 months massaging Deshaun Watson? And a lot of those women referred to by the Houston Texans and some of those via non-disclosure agreements. How does that happen? And the team kind of go forward without any 
um, any repercussion whatsoever. The lawsuit today, by the way, that came out, the lead detective in the case from uh, the Houston Police Department testified in a civil deposition. I'm going to read this from the ESPN report. Testified that Watson's behavior was escalating with each massage session and that the woman who sued the Texans had a, quote, really powerful and compelling account, close quote. There were 10 reports investigated by Houston police. uh, And when asked in the deposition, was there any doubt in your mind as the investigating officer that a crime had had occurred? And the detective, Kamisha Baker, said, and I quote, no, close quote. So there's your detective basically saying, we think a crime has been committed here. And it's, again, it seems like there's new information all the time. And that has to be incredibly, incredibly uncomfortable. So uh, I can't see anything less than an indefinite suspension without pay, except for the fact that he's getting a signing bonus of nearly $45 million. And if more stuff continues to come out, I really do question the idea of him playing for at least a portion of 2023. And then the Cleveland Browns are going to have to make some real interesting decisions on what they are willing to stand by. You know, if, if more stuff continues to trickle out, are you willing to stand by a guy despite all the money you've given in a signing bonus, are you willing to stand by a guy that is, well, that disgusting as the leader of your franchise after a lengthy suspension? I don't think your fans want it. You might be the only ones that do. And that can be really problematic uh, moving forward for how that franchise tries to remain competitive, but also tries to remain in the good graces of those who buy tickets to their games. And, oh, by the way, um, wants to build a new stadium and probably wants public money for that. Good luck. Coming up, there was a large fracas yesterday between the Mariners and the Angels, and it once again highlights a problem that, for whatever reason, Major League Baseball can't shake. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is open at... 808-296-1420. We were just talking about the Deshaun Watson situation with the uh, breaking news from Cleveland.com's Mary Kay Cabot that the NFL has informed both uh, the NFLPA and Deshaun Watson's camp that they are going for an indefinite suspension without pay of the current Cleveland Browns quarterback. Uh, And I I said just a little while ago, I think that's likely because you don't know what more is going to come out between now and later on in the year and maybe even in 2023 because stuff's been, you know, just leaking out over the last year plus. Texter from the 780. I think you already know the answer to that. Is the sky blue? Uh, currently, yes. Sometimes it's gray. Uh, not to be a smart aleck. Uh, but what he's saying is, yeah, you're probably going to get more stuff coming out uh, within the next year. When there's that many names... And, uh, and and that many women allegedly involved, yeah, I, I feel like you're going to have a lot more coming out in the next year. And that's why I said, I don't think Deshaun Watson definitely isn't going to play in 2022. I think that's clear based on the report just a moment ago. Uh, but I also believe Deshaun Watson's probably going to miss some of 2023. Because if they believe there's some criminal conduct, it's going to get way worse. And that should be scary 
disgusting as well. I don't want to leave that part out. Uh, it's just it's it's a little cringeworthy, frankly. Coming up in a little bit, my conversation with Matt Snyder, uh, CBSSports.com's MLB writer, and uh, to be transparent about it, because we will talk about the Mariners Angels situation from over the weekend. We did the interview a couple of hours ago, so it came out. Uh, the the punishments came out well after we did the interview. Uh, we didn't ask questions about who could get suspended, so fortunately, uh, none of that's going to be outdated, thankfully. But it was ugly, and uh, for those of you just tuning in, 12 people have been punished, uh, suspended, including Phil Nevin, the interim manager of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, and basically what they're alleging is uh, Phil Nevin ordered the starter out there uh, to do exactly what he wanted him to do, and that's Andrew Wance. Basically had Wance start the game because he wanted someone to set the example of uh, throwing at someone. He threw high and behind, and then later uh, got Jesse Winker on the backside, and then, you know, all, all chaos ensued. Nevin got a 10-game suspension for what they believed uh, was ordering Wance to throw at Mariners hitters. Uh, Winker got a five-game ban, and let's face it, Winker probably could have gotten more. But uh, in a way, he was kind of the victim, and then in a way, he was also a, a heavy instigator, especially when he charged toward the Angels' dugout and met Anthony Rendon, who uh, should have never been out there to begin with. Uh, because Rendon's out for the season with a uh, with with a wrist issue. He was the first one to make contact, I believe it was, with Winker. Anyway, he's been suspended for five games, uh, which will be served next year because he's out for the rest of the season here. We can talk about the ridiculousness of said incident, which included sunflower seeds being thrown, poor bench players having to go out and pick up the sunflower seeds, in what was an 18-minute delay of the game. Uh, just a, a, a messy situation in general. But it all comes back to, uh, you know, to me, what is what is the bigger point here? And that bigger point is the fact that we still have guys throwing high and in, high and behind, high and high and in the front. We have guys throwing head high still in, in Major League Baseball in 2022. I get... That you know, as as much as I am a baseball guy, you know, I I get that everybody, uh, you know, wants to still do the whole police the game charade, which I think is kind of what it is at times. You know, you're gonna throw in at someone, you want to prove a point. Someone throws at you, you got to throw it, throw them back. You know, throwing at someone's head is just an idiotic thing to do in general. You know, what if someone does actually get hit? And, you know, we kind of have this conversation with, with Matt Snyder in, in a little while that, you know, you can lose command sometimes. I just watched Mike Trout take one, you know, eye level kind of high and tight, although it clearly wasn't on purpose from Lucas Giolito. Uh, but, you, you know, you get a little triggered, you know, especially after the last couple of days. Uh, you know, you... You could try to send a message, slip, and have that ball hit the batter's helmet and cause a concussion or or something worse. It's not like that's never been seen before. 
And so this idea of, all right, headhunting's okay is wrong. And how baseball continues to just kind of, I don't know, operate under this, we police ourselves and, you know, we're okay with, with allowing teams to do this every once in a while. And we're just going to hand down punishments when it looks bad. Um, when it gets to that point is, uh, is the reason why this still exists. Now, I'm a believer in getting it out of the game. The, the hard part I realize is that you have to determine if you're an umpire, you have to make the tough determination on, you know, whether someone misses up and in buzzes something by behind the helmet, you know, did it happen because they just lost the grip of the baseball you know, did it happen because they meant it? And it's a tough place for an umpire to be in. And I and I feel for umpires. They're common targets nowadays. It, it really shouldn't be that way. But that's the position they've been placed in. What should have happened, I think, going into Sunday, and, and I, you know, when we have this conversation, part of what you'll hear from, from Matt Snyder, not to give everything away, is that, you know, you realize – Umpires don't want to really affect the outcome of a series by throwing guys out and whatever, but let's let's not put it on the umpires. Let's put this on Major League Baseball because it was clear going into Sunday that something was going to go down. If you watched any of the first two games and you saw some of the junk that was thrown at hitters, you could have guaranteed that it was going to get fiery. And I don't know that we could have expected that kind of fiery, but you would have expected something was going to happen. What Major League Baseball needed to do, I think, was before you even get to Sunday's game, you hand down suspensions. And you say, you know, to the, to the guy that threw up and in, it was clearly on purpose. We're giving you a, let's just say, we're giving to give you a three-game suspension. And you can appeal it, sure. And so you could possibly play anyway. Um, but who is going to who is going to do something worse when you've already got a suspension under your belt? When guys are punished, I think you you might kind of escalate it just because you've got everybody on edge and you're already you know almost proactively putting out punishments to avoid a fight. But it's also like saying. We know a fight's coming, and we're watching you, so you best not do it on this stage. And if you do it, and if you continue, even though we have put warnings now on your guys via suspensions, then, you know, whatever we drop down next is going to be way worse. There's no place for throwing at the head of anybody. And the fact that, you know, Phil Nevin is throwing out guys to throw at guys and clearly one of those pitches got high and in, is, uh, you know, frankly, it's stupid. It's one of the reasons that I believe this is an interim job for Phil Nevin, and I don't believe he'll get another managerial job. I mean, he was the third base coach of the New York Yankees for a while. He's someone who lost his cool. He's got this job because he was coaching in the minor leagues, and they decided to fire Joe Madden. So here's Phil Nevin in an interim role, and I can't see any scenario in which you see some of that shenanigans go down and think, oh, yeah, he's going to be a full-time manager anytime in the near future. 
Give me a, give me a break. That's the kind of stuff you have to outlaw, and you have to you have to be somewhat proactive as compared to reactive. And Major League Baseball has struggled with that for a long time. Because if you can't, you're never going to take that nonsense out of the game. My conversation with Matt Snyder is coming up. Just take those old records off the shelf. I said, listen to them by myself. Got to look at the M. Dyer Global Scoreboard, Dyer Dyer Global scoreboard coming up in just a little bit. As we mentioned earlier today, I spoke with the CBSSports.com's Matt Snyder. He's their national MLB writer. And we started on that conversation regarding the Angels-Mariners brawl from yesterday. And one of the first things I asked Matt is, you know, could there have been something that may have helped to prevent some of this, especially looking at the umpires? It's always possible. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, maybe get in front of it some, but I think that sometimes they're reluctant to to throw those warnings out there because it, it fundamentally alters the way that the pitching is done because it's if a pitcher has fear that if I try to come inside on a guy, I might get kicked out of the game, that changes how he does his work, and that could affect the game. So, I I don't I'm not going to lay blame on the umpires there. I mean, like I said, it's always possible that you could say, oh, maybe they should have gotten out front of it a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes things these, these things don't escalate like they did, and sometimes it just ends up with a bunch of uh, the benches clearing and everybody standing around and posturing and maybe some shoving. So, and I, I, at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit here and say the umpires should have done a lot more and should have gotten in front of it more because it's it's a difficult thing to, to sort. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, I don't I don't envy any umpire in that situation because that's a that's a difficult thing to adjudicate. That being said, I, I think I put this on the league a little bit now because it seems like a couple of times a year we have these conversations, whether you and I are talking or you're writing about it at CBSSports.com, where we're talking about pitches going head, neck, shoulder level in front behind uh, of a hitter. And it, it, it's, it, it seems like not it, it seems like it happens, but maybe there's not enough done to make a, a severe sort of punishment when that does happen because it, it is dangerous. It is. It's absolutely dangerous, but I mean, some of it is unfortunately an occupational hazard. I mean, I, the intentional stuff is is garbage, absolute garbage. But sometimes pitches just get away, unfortunately. And in the, playing this game, you know, that's the dangerous aspect of it. It's not like football where you have the hitting on every single play, but there is a dangerous aspect to stepping into the batter's box. There is the pitching because you could get a line drive right back at your face. Some of it's just part of the job. Um, as I said, we should do everything we can to get rid of the intentional stuff above the shoulders. Anything in the head and neck intentional is absolute garbage, and that should not be in the game. But when something gets away and it goes close to a guy's head, some of that we just can't help. Um, and I know that the old argument, uh, Tony LaRusso has made it a lot, a lot of others have made it, is if you're in, in the major leagues, you should have good enough command to not have a ball go right there well yeah that's easy to say from the dugout but in addition to it being incredibly difficult to throw the ball exactly where you want every single time now this year they're talking about the the baseballs themselves are inconsistent so you get a different feel with every single ball out there so it's it's a tough job i I think we're doing pretty well as good as we can honestly matt snyder joining us cbssports.com mlb writer he's with us here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. And, and I'll use that as the jumping point 
to Bryce Harper because obviously that pitch came up and in. Clearly, that was not one that was intentionally up and in. And yeah. Harper, you know, in, in I don't know how much of it is self-defense, but as that bat was kind of turned a little bit, his thumb, unfortunately, uh, was in the way. Fractured. Uh, he'll be out for a while. Uh, how massive of a loss is that to a Phillies team that uh, – is is really not in a position right now and, and would love to kind of move up in the NL East, but has uh, yeah. seen that hit a, a, a wall here. Oh, that's a, that's an absolute dagger. That's I mean, they can't they can't survive without him. Good teams can absorb the blow when it, good and deep teams can absorb the blow when somebody's injured. For example, Mookie Betts is hurt for the Dodgers right now. Right now, they're fine because they're the Dodgers and they have a lot of organizational depth. They have a lot of star power there. The Phillies just don't have that kind of a margin for error. So, you know, it's Bryce Harper gets hit there. Mickey Moniak is who comes up. We might know the name because he's a former number one overall pick, but he's not that good. Uh, you look at the trade market, there's not going to be a big needle mover out there. There's just nothing they can do to replace the production they lose when Harper goes down. They're already outside the playoff picture. Uh, what are we looking at with Bryce? Six to eight weeks, maybe more than that? I'd say that effectively ends their season. I think part of that is why he was so mad and why he was yelling at Blake Snell. I mean, it's easy to say, come on, you, he wasn't throwing you intentionally. But anybody who would say that, you're not the one who knows you just broke your thumb and your season got ended. As big of a competitor as he is, that's all that was. I'm sure once the dust settles, he would say, I'm not mad at Snell. Uh, He might say something like what I just talked about earlier, like, hey, you have to have better command than that, you know? But it wasn't intentional. It got away. It broke a thumb. That sucks. As I said earlier, it's it, under a different context. But it is an occup- occupational hazard. It happens. But uh, in the moment with him being that upset, I think that's what that was. That was not only is my season drastically affected, now I know our Philly season is over because they can't keep winning at the pace they need to win without me. That's what was coming out there. Let's turn our attention to the New York Yankees and and specifically for the moment, Aaron Judge, uh, another walk off on Sunday. It just seems like uh, his star power continues to rise. Several walk offs uh, turning into last weekend. That being said, we know that he and the Yankees settled, uh, avoided arbitration. How much concern is there, though, in the future that Aaron Judge uh, may not only test free agency, uh, but also find himself playing somewhere else? Yeah, it's interesting. It's a tough one because I, I I look at it and there's I just get a gut feeling like there's not going to be as good of a match. It, Judge is comfortable there. It's the biggest market in baseball right now. They're the best team in baseball. He's had all those years with the injuries. Um, anybody from the outside might say it's a risk because of all those injuries. It, it's one of those things where, like, when, when Trout signed the extension with the Angels, it just felt like he wasn't going to make sense anywhere else. That's kind of the way I feel with Judge. But, man, we're awfully close to free agency, and we just saw Freddie Freeman reach free agency, win the World Series, and then sign elsewhere. So, man, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I was just trying to think of, like, who other suitors might be. Would the Giants make that big of a splash? Because that's, that's, they could use a star in the middle of their lineup. Is there the type of team that has the financial ability to get it done? Um, on the other side of New York, you know Steve Cohen loves throwing money around, and he would love nothing more than to take Judge from the Yankees. Um, just looking around, I mean, the Angels can't do that. They already have too much money tied up in so few players. 
I don't think the Cubs would would do anything like that. Yeah, I mean, there just aren't that many options, really. So maybe the Giants. I, I don't the the Dodgers. They keep doing this. I don't think they would do it again. Maybe Yankees or Giants would be it. Wow, and and of course in New York, it's who owns the back page, right? That's that's the uh, the yeah. bragging rights there in New York. Um, with that said, and, and and Matt Snyder's joining us, MLB writer for CBSSports.com. My last question for you on the Yankees: uh, as they get no hit on Saturday, they were no hit for seventeen plus innings. Um, but of course, <laughs> we saw how that series turned oh, out. It turned man. out into a split. Um, going into the the trade deadline, which is going to creep right up before you know it. What are the weaknesses of this team? Which is crazy because they have won so many games. Yeah. But what weaknesses do you see in them? Well, I think they, they need to find a way to be more consistent offensively, I guess you would say, because they've got this, they lead the American League in slugging, they lead in OPS, they lead in runs scored, but they're sixth in batting average. And uh, that shows me that there's going to be times where they do what we just saw, and they're going to be prone to kind of, if especially if Judge is in a funk, and he was in a mini funk there for a little bit. He probably three weeks or so. He hasn't been as great, other than the occasional huge home run, but uh, probably more consistently in offense. Some of that, at some point, you would ho- you would have hoped that Joey Gallo would be a lot better when they traded for him. They would have hoped that Josh Donaldson would be a lot better. But if you look at them winning at a pace of maybe the best team of all time. And then you look at the end of the lineup and they've got like IKF and Marlon Gonzalez in there. You're looking, you're like scratching your head, like, man, shouldn't the offense be more well-rounded than that? Maybe they can go out and get a bat. I know they don't like his framing metrics, but like Wilson Contreras would make a lot of sense there. They could play him in left field. They could DH him if they don't want him to catch every day. Um, probably shore up some bullpen depth as well, because after they lost Chad Green for the season and a role Chapman's been down, They've been leaning awfully, awfully hard on Michael King and Clay Holmes back there, so maybe another bullpen arm there. Otherwise, I mean, in the rotation, unless somebody goes down, they're they're good to go. So, you know, maybe they add somebody who could start but also come in relief, kind of the way that uh, the Blue Jays added Russ Stripling a few years ago, just a swingman type, somebody like that. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com, MLB writer. Matt, good to catch up with you. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Matt and all of our guests, they appear uh, courtesy of our hotline here on the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. By the way, uh, we asked about Aaron Judge. Judge and the Yankees now 54-20 and 20 after a 9-5 win over the Oakland A's. This after a six-run seventh inning that the uh, the Yankees put together to uh, to take the lead and ultimately win. Judge goes one for four. Uh, with an RBI. And oh, by the way, the A's, 25 and 50. Uh, not good there in the Bay Area. And there's news out today that uh, Major League Baseball may waive the relocation fee for Oakland to leave Oakland and go to Las Vegas, which I think tells you a little bit about how badly Major League Baseball wants to get out of Oakland and uh, get a team into an emerging sports market. Uh, which is Las Vegas, which has a great minor league team in the Aviators, which has, uh, I, I think, professional basketball will get there in a couple of years outside of summer league. You've got hockey. You've got football. Um, as as people start to care less about gambling, I mean, baseball's got to get there at some point, uh, you would think. Coming up next hour, we'll get back into uh, what has been 
kind of the fun news out of the NBA. Uh, Kyrie Irving is going to stay in Brooklyn, at least for now. But who is kind of turned out right now is maybe one of the bigger losers in the NBA's very brief offseason so far might actually be the Los Angeles Lakers, who were uh, rumored to want to do the sign and trade. Not going to happen. Some people have been linking the Lakers to uh, a Russell Westbrook sign and trade with the Houston Astros. That's not going to happen. Or not Houston Astros, the Houston Rockets. Watching too much baseball recently. Uh, the Houston Rockets, John Wall. John Wall's opting out of uh, his deal, will become a free agent. And as Adrian Wojnarowski reported a little while ago, it is very likely that Wall, although he'll hear from a lot of suitors, Wall is planning to sign with the Los Angeles Clippers for the 2022-2023 season. Put him alongside uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Got a healthy wall that hasn't played in a while. Uh, how is that supposed to shape up? But we'll look at the Lakers situation coming up in a little while. Anthony Irvin from Silver Screen and Roll covers the Los Angeles Lakers, and uh, he will join us about 25 minutes from right now. I uh, want to close the conversation on the New York Yankees since we had Matt Snyder a little while ago. We closed out that interview talking about the Yankees' weaknesses, which, I mean, you, you go 54-20, and 20, and you still at times have a problem with consistently hitting the baseball. They're not at full strength. Um, Aroldis Chapman, who was their closer, may still very well be their closer. We'll find out when he comes back. I know he was going through a... Uh, kind of a tune-up in the minor leagues before he makes his way back to the majors. There are still some questions, I think, with that bullpen, but the scary thing, and we've seen this, I think, in the... Um, we've, we've seen this in the last month or so. The Yankees are getting good pitching back. And, you know, they have had guys who've been hurt for well over a year that are now starting to get back into the fold. And if, you know, Chapman, who's not the same, I mean, he throws gas, but he's not the same reliably. If he's back and he is as good, if he can find a little bit of what he was a couple of years ago, I mean, you know, kudos to him. I think he can be, uh, you know, a game changer for the back end of that bullpen. I don't know what you do, though to tweak this team when it gets to the trade deadline. And and the the scary thing that you can do, you know, Brian Cashman's been given a situation where he's got a great team at the moment. He's been given a situation in which you've got a massive lead in the AL East. And if you tinker with it, you think about making moves at the trade deadline. If you start tinkering with it, even though you've got a big lead, it's not about the lead. I think the Yankees are, are locked at this point to make the postseason. It's not about that, though. What I think it's about is getting to the postseason and making it to the World Series, which at this point in time, it is World Series or bust. Uh, it's going to be a disappointing season if you don't win it. And then you have the offseason consideration of, you know, Aaron Judge and whether Aaron Judge wants to stick around after nearly going through arbitration. So... You, know, you you have a lot that you need to think about because every move I think can be considered somewhere near you know important and and connected to one another. What you do in July or what you don't do in July 
when you have the most important player in Major League Baseball probably mulling his future and probably not feeling appreciated either. What you do now really does depend on where he is next year. And I realize you could probably negate that argument by throwing out the fact that Freddie Freeman won a a World Series title with the Atlanta Braves. He's not in Atlanta anymore. He's with the Los Angeles Dodgers now. Um, That is, remember that too. The Braves didn't totally want him. And and Freeman wanted to be in in Atlanta. The, The Braves didn't really tender him an offer. Freeman got to go through free agency. The Los Angeles Dodgers ended up being the uh, being the destination, and that was uh, such a, a a tough homecoming for for Freddie Freeman, the tears and and all of that, and getting I guess a little bit of closure, leaving Atlanta, his old stomping grounds, for a long time. But that could very well be this. You, know, you could win a World Series, and Judge might say, "Well, you know what? You didn't appreciate me for a, a good while. I'm going to go walk and test free agency." You could you could do everything right and still lose him. That's why every move is going to be magnified here. Oh, boy. (laughs) Keegan Oates is driving me crazy during the commercial break. Oh, Keegan. Good to have him in behind the scenes. I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. This is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so courtesy of our hotline. Anthony Irvin's going to join us from Silver Screen and Roll. That's in about 20 minutes. Uh, we were kind of looking at, uh, we were going to have him earlier, uh, and we kind of moved things around given uh, the the situation with the Kyrie Irving news, and it all kind of intertwines together, but it looked like the Los Angeles Lakers might actually be kind of the the destination for uh, for Kyrie Irving, not now, and I and I say now, very importantly because he's opting in. He's going to stay in Brooklyn at least for now. He's going to sign on to that thirty-six million dollar player option. He's not going to test free agency. Six million dollar signing. Uh, well, he's not going to get six million dollars in free agency from the Los Angeles Lakers. That's all they could afford. Nobody wanted to do a sign and trade. And so Kyrie Irving's going to be in a situation where he's probably not happy and the Brooklyn Nets probably aren't happy and they're going to have to make that work for a little while in order to uh in in order to try to maybe win a title and try to make Kevin Durant happy in what might actually be the last best chance for the Brooklyn Nets to go hunt a title. And then you'd have to figure out at that point, is Kyrie Irving around? Is uh, is Kevin Durant around at that point? Uh, they'll have to figure all that out. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that situation in a moment. But the effect on the Los Angeles Dodgers, because it, again, it really seemed like the Los Angeles, Do- uh, Los Angeles, did I say the Dodgers? I think I did say the Dodgers. The Los Angeles Lakers. Because it really did seem like the Lakers were the only team potentially interested in in Kyrie Irving, and that's uh, at least right now, unless there's something that happens in the middle of, of next season, that's not going to happen. So that, uh, with Anthony Irving coming up in a little while. You can text us. The Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. 
You can call us at 808-296-1420. Uh, you can tweet us at Sports Animals. You can get to me at Josh on the radio. Plenty of ways for you to get in touch with us here uh, on the radio program. But back to Kyrie Irving for just a moment because that is the story that is getting a lot of attention right now. Kyrie Irving will stay in Brooklyn. He will take on that $36 million, or, or should I say, uh, most accurately, the Brooklyn Nets will take on the $36-plus million and have to figure out now what to do and how to take that situation moving forward. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, just a little while ago on Spain and Fitz, which you can hear right here on ESPN Honolulu, talking about now Irving's value year to year. Kyrie Irving's a max player, right? There's no doubt about it. He's a he's a box office guy. You'd love to go watch him play. He's, he's He should, you know, command a $42 million salary, but he's a year-to-year max player. Right, he's a year to year. He's not a four year, 198. He's not a five year, 250 type guy. Um, but you know, the, it, we don't work in a, in a year to year basis on contract wise. And, and Brooklyn kind of proved this a little bit wrong, or I guess Kyrie proved this a little bit wrong that that he's willing to come back on that one year deal here. But three years ago, 2019, there were teams lined up to go out and and get him, and you know, certainly Kevin Durant. Now the the market kind of dictates otherwise, and it, there's a lot of teams that you know the point guard position out there is secure for a lot of these teams, and there's not that many openings. I, I could name one. I could name Boston. But we know Kyrie Irving in Boston will never happen again. We, <laughs> I don't need to tell you otherwise. After uh, the way Kyrie Irving was uh, was treated there not that long ago. Look, um, three years ago, yeah, we would have said Kyrie Irving, amazing athlete, who wouldn't want him on their team. And, you know, I made that point earlier in the show. You heard Bobby Mark say it earlier on Spain and Fitz. You know, what we're seeing now is a complete twist from uh, from the Kyrie Irving we came to know and appreciate for how good he is. And, and let's make very clear, Kyrie Irving is still a, a one heck of a basketball player, just, you know, when he's playing basketball. And the year-to-year point, I think, is is a really good one because I don't know what Kyrie we're going to get year-to-year-to-year. Um, you could have a Kyrie Irving that next year, I think, plays... I don't, I don't think he plays 82 games next year, and I don't think he wants to play 82 games next year, at least not with the same team. Um, you could see a Kyrie Irving that plays 60, depending on how happy he is with the organization, how much time he wants to take off. You know, this has just been a problem. You could also see a Kyrie Irving that, you know, gets traded in the middle of the year, finds himself on a contender, and now wants to play every day uh, because he's he's happy. He is somewhere where he wants to be as compared to somewhere he doesn't. I don't know what Kyrie Irving again. get. And I'm, I'm going to stop using the whole he's missed more games than he's played thing. We use that stat somewhat selectively. Uh, when we kind of saw the number go mainstream last week, that he's you know missed a bunch more games than he's played over the past three years. John Wall hasn't played since 2018, and here we are talking about someone that could get a ton of money after uh, getting 40 plus million dollars to sit down last year. You know, and he could get a whole bunch of money. I'm I'm interested to see what the Clippers give him when he uh, intends to sign with LA on Wednesday when when free agency begins. But I at least think, you know, last year, I'm sure John Wall, if 
he wanted to play and they would have allowed him to play, would have played as many games as he possibly could. Thing was, the Rockets didn't want him to. They tanked, and um, you know they they got what they got out of that. And uh, John Wall for forty plus million dollars to to sit there and look good didn't you know it 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 sold its purpose. So now they have to move forward from that. And John Wall, I think, can still play. This is the challenge. Kyrie Irving can still play. We can't forget about how we felt um, three years ago, four years ago, even farther back about how good his talents are. We, we can't forget that just because, you know, he didn't want the vaccine. We can't forget that. And we'll, we'll go to the phones in a second at 808-296-1420. We can't forget that because, you know, people make fun of him for the flat earth thing. We can't forget that because, you know, he sometimes takes takes games off. We just don't know why, and he doesn't really explain it. He just he, he wants his personal days. You know, we, we, we can't always hold that against him. You can when giving him $36-plus plus million, but you can't always hold that against someone who's got just immense talent. So, really... I, th- I think what this comes down to is how much truly does Brooklyn want him and, and how much between the two the two sides, how much do they want to make it work? See you on the phones at 808-296-1420. We'll answer the phones here as we go to Ken here on the phone. Ken, how are you? Hey, Josh. How are you doing, Josh? I haven't talked to you for a while. Yeah, good to hear uh, from you. Hey, man, it's always a blessing to be able to talk sports because trains derailing on Amtrak. You don't want to live in the real world. I have to get you depressed. I hear you. You know what? Um, With John Wall, I've been a Wizards fan for 40-plus years. I remember Gilbert. I remember people in the 70s back to Elvin Hayes. But with John Wall, that was interesting how that went down. The Wizards flipped him and turned him into Westbrook, and then they cursed the Lakers by giving him Westbrook. The funny thing I thought about Kyrie Irving, it'll never happen. And this really wasn't where I definitely wanted to go with the conversation, but it would be great to trade Bradley Beal for Kyrie Irving. I know Kyrie would not want to be associated with a loser franchise like the Wizards, but the Wizards need a point guard. And Brooklyn, or, yeah, they're Brooklyn. I sometimes forget to call them New Jersey. They could use a, a scoring guard like John, like, uh, like Bradley Beal. You know, he could be a second banana to KD. And you could kind of sell that to Steve Nash, I think. I don't know. I mean, you would think. I don't know. But anyhow, that's not going to happen either. But uh, with Kyrie, I want, here's my main point. I saw something on YouTube about Bison Bailey. Do you remember him, Brian Williams? <sighs> wow. Um, I don't. I should, but I don't for whatever story, reason. Real quick. For real quick, he was a power forward that played with the Chicago Bulls during one of the championship runs. He, he, he dropped out of the NBA with $30-plus million remaining on his contract at the age of 30. And he, he failed the seven seas, and he was actually murdered by his brother uh, in Tahiti at the age of 33. And you can look him up. He was with their that last Bulls championship or, or the, their great season. He's about 6'9", 6'10", great player. He went to Maryland, then he went to Arizona, then he went to the Bulls. He was like Kyrie in that – not like Kyrie. This guy, Bison Daly, had mental health issues, supposedly, allegedly. But when he got out of the, out of the NBA, this guy failed the seven seas. He ran with the Bulls. He was what you call ex. In, uh, intrinsically motivated. It didn't matter what other people said. Kyrie dances to his own tune, in my opinion. 
he's not necessarily going to go with the flow. He didn't care. He, he said, I'm not getting the shot, and he just sat out. Hey, if I had millions of dollars, I might do that too. These guys are not hurting for money. So whatever Kyrie does, I find it kind of fascinating. It's like they should be on the other end of the spectrum struggling with life. But I don't want to take up all your time because others might be trying to call. But for Kyrie, this thing with John Wall, that's the most interesting of all. To not pay a guy, to pay a guy to not show up, $40 million to just don't come to work, that's amazing. And now he's like, well, y'all are going to keep paying me. I don't blame him. I ain't giving you a nickel back. And he's getting paid. He, he signed that contract with the Wizards when he was injured anyway, just like they did with Gilbert Arenas. I knew they shouldn't have signed him. But they do things like that. They make decisions that I just can't believe. But anyway, I'm interested to see what Wall does. If there was any justice in the world, if he wasn't such an enemy of the owner, Ted Leonson, he would go right back to D.C. because they could use him now. I mean, they revamped the Westwood. And thanks for not interrupting. Did you have anything to say? Because I've been just rambling. <laughs> hey, I, I, I wanted you to say your piece before I stepped in. And by the way, uh, they are reporting John Wall's going to go to the Clippers. Oh, brilliant. And you know who else should go back to the Clippers? Boogie. Boogie Cousins. Mm-hmm. If you get Wall and Cousins with uh, the guys they got, oh, man. And Kawhi come back healthy and Paul George? Goodness gracious. That's going to be yeah, some time. That's going to be some some time in L.A. Ken, good to hear from you, my friend. Thank you for uh, for dialing in and uh, giving us a call at 808-296-1420. You know, we can talk about the whole money part, and I, and I hear what Ken's saying. You know, they're not, they're not hurting for money. Yeah, sure, but they also would love a lot of it, too. And, you know, Kyrie had an opportunity. If, if he really didn't care about the money, Kyrie would decline the option. And, you know, there, there wouldn't be a lot of teams that would take him on, but he could have gotten, like, the, the exception from the Los Angeles Lakers and make $6 million. And, you know, bet on himself for a year, take the, take the small amount of money, you know, take a $30 million pay cut to go to L.A., play behind an aging LeBron, play behind an injured Anthony Davis, and uh, maybe as that team kind of unravels, maybe there's an opportunity to make more money in L.A. or, you know, you take it seriously, you don't take a lot of time off, and you, you play a full season, maybe rest a couple of games because we know load management, and you're, not just, you're just not going to get around that. And, uh, you know, you, you, you earn some money elsewhere the following year, what, whatever it is. But clearly, you know, it's, it's, it's not about not caring about the money because clearly they do. Clearly, these guys aren't willing to take $30 million pay cuts. Uh, they're willing to take on a salary for a team that they clearly don't want to be around because it's good money. And in this case, the sign-and-trade case, you could work something out by the trade deadline. And, and this is the betting-on-yourself part that is a little bit different than, you know, the betting on yourself by taking a $30 million pay cut. The other side to betting on yourself is you take the first half of this season, you take it seriously. You know, play every game, play well, don't be a distraction. Um, Just, you know, do what you got to do. I don't want to, you know, none of the, you know, are randomly not going to show up. Uh, because you got you, you you've got stuff that you got to deal with, and you don't really communicate with it. Be be the best teammate you can. And if you have an opportunity to win a title, cool. If you don't, and you're a problem, at, you know, if you're going to be a problem, at least play really well. If you really want your way out, there's your opportunity. Because if you 
play really well, you get back to that old Kyrie Irving form, except for the fact that you're actually playing every game as compared to every couple, then there's going to be a team that's going to be willing to take on that contract for the remainder of the year and that sign and trade, a team that might be desperate, uh, might need a guard uh, for the stretch run to get to the postseason. They might be so needy that they'll take them on. They'll pay the rest of that money and give themselves a winner, move on from them or, you know, do some kind of extension, whatever it is they want to do. That might be the best betting on yourself option he has. Just play. Put all the distractions aside. Just play and show that you deserve $36 million, even though you haven't played for most of the last three years. And if you do that, then all of this nonsense stuff, and there's plenty of it, you do that, all this nonsense stuff goes away. And we're back to talking about Kyrie Irving, the basketball player. Um, None of these cryptic statements, you know, none of this, like, you know, me against the world thing. Like, he had this... uh, he had this, was it earlier today? It was earlier today. He he said something on Twitter because he knows people are talking about him. And uh, and he said this, and I and I and I quote, uh, if I can find it, unless he deleted it. I guess I did he delete it? I guess he deleted it. Yeah. I was about to go find what Kyrie Irving said. Um and then he decided to delete it. Kyrie Irving earlier today had basically said Uh, because he sees everybody talking about him and he believes everybody's making money off of him. He basically said, refer to me as NBA champion and Olympic gold medalist Kyrie Irving. And we all know that. We all know who Kyrie Irving is. We don't don't need to say NBA champion, Olympic gold medalist. We know what you did. But you see, he's, I don't know, he's, listen to... All of, of his Twitter, all of his Twitter is, I don't know, there, there's a lot of conspiracy there. I'm not even, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try to read it. I'm just going to leave it alone. You you take what you got to take out of it. You want to go read it, go for it. Um, but some of that stuff's just nonsense. Get rid of the nonsense, and and you'll get $36 million from someone else to play for you, uh, to uh, to play for. And, uh, and and he'll resurrect that career. Coming up, we'll talk with Anthony Irvin, Silver Screen and Roll. The Los Angeles Lakers are out of the running for Kyrie Irving. So what do they do now with Russell Westbrook? This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center coming up in about 10 minutes. Anthony Irvin joining us right now from Silver Screen and Roll covering the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All right, be honest with me, Anthony. Uh, Lakers are out of the running for Kyrie Irving, at least right now. Anybody bummed? I mean, I, I guess there are some people within the organization who are bummed because they thought that Kyrie gave them a better shot at championship contention than Russ currently offers them. But the, the, the sentiment around the league is is not great about Kyrie. But the fit with him and LeBron and AD is objectively better than with Russ whenever he's on the court. Yeah, and, and I'll get to the Russell Westbrook part in a moment. I, I guess the question would have been, were the Lakers hoping that he would opt out and, uh, you know, take $6 million, I guess, is the number? Or, you know, would they have been able to afford 
a sign and trade. Because I think that's the other part about it, right? Was the the money? I don't think was really going to work out in that situation. Yeah, the only likely, the only two likely scenarios that the Lakers had at Kyrie, and neither of them were ever as likely, I think, as as people might have hoped. Um, but getting him at six million dollars for the for the taxpayer mid level exception that they have was one avenue. Um, that would allow them to trade Russ for, for wing depth and, and for shooting guard depth and, and basically whatever they could get him for and still have the lead guard that LeBron wants to play with. Um, and then the other way is uh, with Kyrie opting in the way that he did and trading for him after the fact, uh, the only issue there is that Brooklyn now needs to add uh, salary to be able to match it with the incoming salary they'd be taking on with Russ. And then <laughs> the other problem there too is KD wants to play with Kyrie exponentially more than he wants to play with Russ. That that's a partnership that he doesn't want to uh, try again. And yeah, it, it was a non-starter for the Nets. Yeah, and I and I can't imagine if the Nets want to make Kevin Durant happy that they would force that upon him again, uh, which would be a, a little bit of a problem. We're talking with Anthony Irvin from Silver Screen and Roll. He's with us here. On ESPN Honolulu at ninety two point seven FM and fourteen twenty AM. So you've you've mentioned Russell Westbrook. Um, what now? I mean, it, I've I've heard everything from you know potentially trying to work out something with Houston in, in a sign and trade with John Wall. That's not going to happen now. We've heard that they've talked to Russell Westbrook about being a defense first point guard, which just doesn't sound like a Russell Westbrook thing to do. Uh, realistically, is he going to start for the Los Angeles Lakers in twenty twenty two slash twenty twenty three? Based on the reports out there and then conversations that I've had with, with people either from the Lakers or from around the league, everybody is basically saddling up for Russell Westbrook being on the Lakers roster in 2000, at the start of this upcoming season. So I, I don't know how you sell to fans on the idea of running back after the disaster that was last season. I don't know how you try to act as if the stuff that you leaked over the course of the second half of last year and at the start of, and the stuff that you said about the guy at, at exit interviews and that he said about the Lakers at exit interviews. I don't know how you try to act as if that didn't happen, um, but that apparently is what the Lakers are willing to do because uh, according to, to reports, the Lakers aren't interested in adding uh, either of the two first rounders that they can trade this upcoming offseason or taking on long-term salary unless they feel absolutely confident that the move puts them back into championship contention. Well, I guess the next question is how much is how much can Darvin Ham, the uh, the new Lakers head coach, how much is is he able to to at least smooth some of that out? I mean, it's a it's a new voice in there, but uh, can he be able to fix it? I, that's what they're banking on. So he is look, the, the one thing I will say about Darvin Ham is his reputation around the league is one of saying what needs to be said. Frank Vogel, I thought was a very good coach, is absolutely elite at what he was good at, which was on the defensive side of the ball. But he also was a very kind of soft-spoken, nice guy. And it seems like Russ wants a coach who was more willing to if he was playing football, grab you by the helmet and, and set you straight and say the things that need to be said. Um, it's, it's one thing to want that in the offseason before you, before you actually encounter that approach. But if that is the way things are going to go, Darvin Ham is a former player. 
He uh, does have a, the uh, more bona fides to him than Vogel did, and maybe that's enough to get through to him. We also have Rasheed Wallace on the coaching staff, reportedly. Um, he is somebody who doesn't exactly beat around the bush in, in any regard, whether as a player or in his time as a coach at, at, at any of the stops that he has made. So maybe that's enough of a tonal shift that Russ rethinks things. But the thing I've always kind of looked for is where's the incentive coming from? Russ is still going to make his $47 million this year. He's still going to make the Hall of Fame. He's still considered one of the, the best point guards of all time, probably top 10 to 15. That's not changing anything. Um, the Lakers are, you know, tried to act tough this upcoming or this, these last exit interviews, and it just winds up with him being back with the team. So I don't see the incentive for him to change. And so I don't think any kind of tonal shift really matters all that much. So long as Russ knows, yeah, I'm, I'm either going to get the bulk of the minutes at point guard um, or what? <laughs> Call my black Lakers. There's nothing you can really do about it. Anthony Irwin joining us from Silver Screen and Roll. I, I can't imagine him being a defense first point guard, uh, given the ability to hit the triple double to do, you know, a number of different tools on the floor. I, I, I can't imagine him taking a defense first role. No, I will. I'm mean, just, just out of curiosity. How, how long have you been doing radio for? Boy, a long time. Try 17 years. All right. So, so he's been in the NBA for, for 13 years. He's been playing um, for competitive basketball for well over 20 years, right? This is somebody who has um, made an incredible career, carved out an incredible career for himself, playing the way that he does. He has made all kinds of money playing the way that he does. And the idea that like, now 13 years in, uh, he's just going to completely rethink the way that he does his job, like you, you, you tell me, I, that's not something – I've been doing this for about 10 years myself. That's not something I could necessarily do. I, I don't see how that could, that would go in my career. And, and so the, the idea that this person with again, no real incentive to change here is going to completely rethink the way that he has played basketball for the last 13 years is crazy to me. By the way, thanks for making me feel old that I've been in radio longer than Russell Westbrook's been a, been an NBA <laughs> basketball player. Very appreciative of that. Look, man, it's, I, I get reminded all the time. Scotty Pippen Jr. is on the Lakers' uh, summer league team. Shaquille O'Neal's son is on the summer league team. <laughs> this is just Jabari uh, Samaki Walker's uh, son worked out for the Lakers this summer. I, <laughs> I, I'm in a constant state of uh, reminders of how old I am. My goodness, you just threw out Samaki Walker. My goodness, I never expected that to come out <laughs> yep. of anybody's mouth in the year 2022. Uh, Anthony Irwin joining us for Silver Screen and Roll. He's with us here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, lastly, as we get ready for the free agency period to begin, realistically, uh, what should we be focusing on with the Los Angeles Lakers? Because clearly it's uh, the Russell Westbrook thing, maybe not. But what what should we be focusing on, or what do you think the Lakers will be focusing on here? Well, so one thing that Rob Palenka said after the season was that they didn't have enough guys who competed on both sides of the ball, and especially defensively. Last year they had Wayne Ellington on the team, they had Ken Bazemore, they had uh, Carmelo Anthony on the team. Three guys, Bazemore a little less so, but, but at least with Ellington and with Melo and like Malik Monk, 
three guys that if they play any defense at all, you consider it a holy day. Um, and, and so for the Lakers this year, if they are going to make it work, Rob thinks that it's going to come with more toughness on the defensive side of the ball. They were incredibly small last year, so I would imagine they're going to try to get bigger on the wing. They have uh, a taxpayer mid-level exception at their, at their disposal, and they have Taylor Horton Tucker plus the two picks. So even if they don't use the picks to move Russell Westbrook, maybe they can convince some teams to take on Taylor, uh, who doesn't fit with Russ and LeBron and AD. Um, maybe they can go in that direction and bring on enough wing depth to be able to give a better shot at maybe Russ working um, with, with LeBron and AD. That, that's probably where I would start. It's just a whole bunch of wing depth. Anthony Irwin, silver screen and roll covering the Los Angeles Lakers. Good to chat with you again. Thank you so much. Anytime, man. Thanks for having me. Anthony and all of our guests appear courtesy of our hotline here on the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Man, uh, if there's anything that will make you feel just a little bit older than you actually are, uh, a nine-minute interview which featured the likes of Samaki Walker, <laughs> Shaq's son, Scotty Pippen Jr., and uh, Russell Westbrook being in the NBA for a shorter period of time than you've had a radio career. Man, uh, life just flashed before my eyes in the last five minutes. Hey, we missed one thing in Sports Center. We got a no-hitter alert in Seattle. Well, kind of. Uh, Mariners don't have a hit through four and a half against the Baltimore Orioles, and I know what you're thinking. It's it's in the fifth inning. Here's why. Uh, the Orioles have thrown 13 consecutive no-hit innings against the Seattle Mariners at T-Mobile Park. And, of course, this goes back to the last time they played at T-Mobile Park. So you can, uh, you know, you can you can take any stat the way you want to take it. I will take it that way from uh, from Shannon Dreyer, who covers the Seattle Mariners for, uh, for MyNorthwest.com. 13 consecutive no-hit innings for the Baltimore, Ariel, uh, Baltimore Orioles. Uh, in Seattle. You can text the program via the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420 and you can uh, send us your tweets at Sports Animals. You can get to me directly at Josh on the radio. We were talking about uh, Kyrie Irving earlier. Patrick texts in the said Zephyr Insurance text line. I can uh, I can still see all of the lengthy, lengthy, lengthy Cowboys text from Patrick, the uh, guy who's not a fan of Ezekiel Elliott. Patrick says, it depends what Kyrie Irving wants to do going forward with his career. Only Kyrie Irving can answer that. Um, to a degree. I mean, to to some degree, a, a whatever team he's on uh, can determine a little bit of his career. And uh, that's where the Nets right now do have more of a grasp of that. Look, by by Kyrie Irving opting in, it's not like Kyrie is saying, "Hey, um, I'm I'm all in. I want to be here for the long haul. I want to win a title with the Brooklyn Nets." No, opting in is basically Kyrie Irving saying, "No one wants me right now," <laughs> and uh, it, it's like it's like good PR. Public relations work is sometimes vastly, vastly underrated. It's like good PR when uh, when you have you know 10 million people watching the NBA Finals 
and your ratings are down from the previous year, but you could say um, there's probably a number that says, well, it's still up from three years ago when you had a similar matchup between these two teams. Ratings down, but still up. Percentage points up, number down. Share, take it for what you will. You can you can always, uh, and, and good PR teams in uh, in television, they find a way to do it. Yeah, you're not going to put out there that your ratings number was down, but you'll find a way to say it might be up in a key demo, the key uh, 25 to 49 demo. Or you might say, um, you won't mention the television number, but you'll say overall viewing, including your uh, streaming viewing on uh, on the Watch ESPN app, which don't really call it that now, um, streaming viewing on the ESPN app or of course, those who watch on, like, you know, Sling or on YouTube TV, they'll, they'll include some of those numbers, but they won't say the actual TV numbers. This is kind of like that. It's like, yeah, um, nobody wants me in a sign-and-trade, but, hey, I'm still making $36 million. So the number's great. I'm going to make more money than I did last year by playing only a certain amount of time. Uh, the number is great, but it's not all for the reasons that it might look like on paper. But, of course, um, part of where Kyrie Irving can now determine himself and where he goes is based on how well he plays. Um, but I say that the Nets control more of that because they bring him in. They could do a sign and trade. And you know what? They could they could do one of two things. They could, uh, you know, honor Kyrie Irving's request to go, uh, you know, look for a suitor. You know, that's what they did. They gave Kyrie Irving the opportunity to find a suitor uh, for his services, and no one bit. But you know, when it comes down to the trade deadline later in the year, if Kyrie Irving's still there, they could say, well, you know what? We gave you the opportunity. Uh, you couldn't find anybody. We, we made a nice gesture then. It's on us now. We'll find the trade suitor. We'll say, we'll trade you here. And uh, if you don't have a, a no trade clause, sorry, but you're going to go where we send you if we don't really want you here anymore for $36 million. Um, you know, with, with the opportunity that next year you'll be an unrestricted free agent, we're going to get something back from you. Uh, we're not going to lose... Thirty-six million dollars and get no value back for uh, for Kyrie Irving. That's 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 bad business. So yeah, I mean to a degree, Kyrie can answer um, what he does going forward with his career, but uh, he lost some leverage, I believe. He lost some leverage by signing up uh, or opting in for uh, you know, for the upcoming year because clearly nobody wanted him. Earlier today, uh, we were talking about the XFL, and um, texter from the 497 texting into the program via the Zephyr Insurance text line. XFL, The Rock's ex-wife, present manager, is the president of the league. She used to be a bodybuilder. Is the XFL for real? Um, the XFL is for real, as in the plans for the XFL are real. Now... I believe the XFL will play games in 2023. I don't think there is anything that will will knock that down. But I'll, I'll go back to something we talked about earlier. The XFL has something very fortunate that's happening right now that will, will benefit its potential business plan. And I, I also believe that if the XFL doesn't get too 
let's say let, let, let's say two out of the box. I think it could flourish. I think it has many things going for it right now that I don't think the USFL does. And I'll explain that coming up next. Guess who's coming up on tomorrow's show? Max Holloway. Let's get ready for Alexander Volkanovsky. On Saturday, Max Holloway on the program tomorrow here on the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I'm going to ask him... Um, Something I, I saw a quote from him earlier today. He was talking to Brett Okamoto from ESPN. And he said, I felt like a champion when I was 0-1 in the UFC. And I thought that was a really interesting quote. And it also sounds exactly like Max Holloway. So uh, we'll, we'll talk to him tomorrow here on the radio show. I was talking about the XFL. Going back to one of our texters from the 497. And, of course, the XFL tryouts over the weekend. Uh the Rock was there. Gary Dickman was taking a picture with The Rock. Uh, I thought they weren't letting people around him. Who let Gary Dickman through to take a picture with The Rock? Uh, he's somebody, I guess. But we, were, you know, people were asking about whether uh, Hawaii could get an XFL team. The XFL has already figured out their eight teams for 2023: Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Las Vegas. Seattle, St. Louis, uh, Washington, D.C. Those are the uh, those are the franchises, or I think uh, where we believe some of those franchises uh, will be. And uh, you know that will start February 18th of uh, of next year. Anyway, uh, here the the teams: D.C., St. Louis, Dallas, Houston, Seattle. Uh, San Antonio, Las Vegas. There was supposed to be the Guardians and the uh, the Wildcats. Uh, I believe Orlando. Orlando's the other one. I didn't say Orlando. Some of these teams don't know where they're going to play. The XFL's fortunate. When they get started in February of next year, I mean, they're going to be competing with the, uh, the USFL. The USFL would have had two years under its belt. And so the XFL will get to see what, you should and and what you shouldn't do in in uh how to operate a really successful spring league the xfl was known in the past for its innovation trying and failing changing rules in the middle of the year you know basically the xfl tried to change the game it was in no position to do it but you know it's a typical vince mcmahon thing um, let's let's try something bigger than life and see if it works. It's one thing to do it inside the squared circle. It's another thing to do it uh, in a in a football venue and think that you're going to last. And they had everything. They had national television. They had popular players. They had a whole bunch of things that actually worked, except for the fact that they tinkered too much with it. They couldn't leave well enough alone, and it went down the tube. So there's one thing that, you know, when I when I hear people saying, oh, do you think you can bring the XFL to Hawaii? Let's let's start with the fact that Hawaii doesn't have a stadium. Start there. The XFL at eight teams makes sense. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think you stay with that for a little while. If you're going to add a team or two teams or three teams or four teams, um, I think you do it eventually, but I think you you don't necessarily expand backwards. 
I think you expand forward. And let me explain that. I, I understand that, you know, with The Rock and all his money, I, under, I understand the pride in wanting to make Hawaii a part of the XFL, you know, the XFL tryouts and all that. And that's great, you know. I love the fact that he did it. Uh, but he's also a businessman. And, um, you know, you're going to invest money or have someone, I don't know what they're going to do with franchises, if they're going to have people own franchises eventually. But uh, right now, they're basically fronting it. And you're not going to put money into a franchise that is really not in the major market. You're taking chances already, I, I believe, by putting a team in St. Louis that lost uh, an NFL franchise when, uh, when they lost the Rams. And then you're putting a team in uh, San Antonio, although they do have an arena there. Uh, you know, putting a team there in, in, a, in a very crowded Texas market where you've already got two other teams is, uh, is another risk. So, you know, if you're going to expand your league, then, you know, you're going to expand it. I think you've you got to find a team in California. They don't. Uh, have a team in California, I think you're going to expand in California. If you're going to expand, I think you have to have a team in New York. If you're going to expand, I think you're going to have to have a second team in Florida. That's how you expand. And you go into tried and true markets where you get lots of visibility. You've got great venues. You can play the game there. Uh as as cool as it would be for Hawaii to have an XFL team, I think it's 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 bad business, I think, to do that, because I don't see a, a great return on investment to put a team in a smaller market. Now that said, here are the other things that I think the XFL has going for it. The XFL's already identified venues for six of its eight teams. That's important. Uh, right now, the USFL going into year two. They're not going to have their teams playing in their individual venues. Still, maybe in year three. But they're talking about, because every, every game was played in Birmingham uh, at uh, Legion Field. I think they're playing the XFL Championship in Canton, Ohio, home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Kind of a cool move. But you've got franchises representing eight different cities playing in one. And if you want to grow a fan base that eventually is going to buy tickets, having that fan base wait two years, maybe three, to actually see their franchise in person is, uh, to, is to me, it's a big mistake. You know, what I, what I think you, you should be getting those franchises over to those stadiums and playing in front of their fans. That should be a no-brainer at this point. You know, they're going to probably go now to two different locations, split up the teams, have the eight teams, and then eventually after that, year three, maybe expand the USFL, maybe have them go to the different venues. But I'm watching the USFL, and I'm wondering, um, is that sustainable? And when the XFL gets in there, and they're playing in venues like uh, you know, Lumen Field, which is the home of uh, the, the Seattle Seahawks, when they're playing at um, Audi Field in, in Washington, you know, when, when, in Washington, D.C., which I think is actually a soccer stadium. The Alamo Dome has had, uh, you know, a lot of you know, great college football. You're going to have instant draws. And 
I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing players who want to play in spring ball, want to play in the XFL, um, and choose that over the USFL. It's got NFL interest, um, and it's got so it's got strong backing, and you know where you're going to be. And I think the other thing is, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Don't pull a Vince McMahon. The game is good as it is. You don't need to full-blown fix it. And uh, if 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 they can be patient on that, I think the I think the XFL could ultimately be a better product than the USFL. We'll see you tomorrow.